This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. 13 Daggers Tattoo Studio is looking for a new tattoo artist. Must be established with a strong portfolio and good work ethic. Stop by today at 13 Daggers across from Patriot Park on Fort Campbell Boulevard. Clarksville's ultimate tattoo studio. Tattoos, touch-ups, and consultations. See the artist's work online at 13daggerstattoo.com and get the custom experience you want with Killer Ink. Book today and get pricked by a pro. 13 Daggers Tattoo Studio. Working hard on the boulevard. Tobacco Road Sports Radio is so excited to be your home for Triad Sports. I'm so excited! I'm so excited! We heard you loud and clear. Our mission is to give you what you want. You know what I want. I've been asking for it for years. Give it to me. Give me what I want. The best sports talk in live sports in the triad, period. What's up, everybody? Live with Brandon Blake. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Score once again with Brett Wiseman. Hello and welcome back to the Pit Stop here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Welcome back to Franchise Players, your home for triad sports coverage. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. And if you think that's great, Wait until you see what's next. It's going to be good. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Tune in at TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. And don't forget to download the new Roku channel, Tobacco Road Sports Radio. And gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Frankly Speaking Sports. I'm your host, Larry Franken. Boy, are we happy to have you with us tonight. Another great, 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 great show in store for you. Thank you so very much on all the different platforms for tuning in. A reminder for those of you that love the comfort of your sofa or your recliner, go ahead and Get you on your smart TV, download Northeast Streaming Sports. That's right, Northeast Streaming Sports on Roku TV. And you can sit down in your own comfort with a beverage and some popcorn and watch our show tonight. Also want to welcome everybody from the Triad area in North Carolina tonight on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Pleasure having you with us tonight. We got a lot to talk about. We got the NBA playoff games starting tonight. That's right, NBA playoff games. We'll give you an update in a moment on the first game. I believe it's the Brooklyn Nets and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So we're about to give you an update on that. Also, it's only, what, a week and a half away, the NFL draft. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, the NFL draft. Who's going to pick who? And, you know, there's two teams two teams that are very, very similar when it comes to their needs and what they want to pick. The only difference is one pick six, which is the Carolina Panthers. The other picks 26, which is the Tennessee Titans. We'll tell you about both those teams, what they should do. Should they go for a quarterback? Should they go for offensive linemen? Or should they go 
for the best available athlete in the draft. All that and more tonight on Frankly Speaking Sports. About 30 minutes from now, Daniel Marcello. He's a contributor and writer for Empire Sports Media. He covers the New York Mets. He'll talk to us about the New York Mets, the beginning of the season, and that injury-plagued uh, pitching staff and what they have to go through to just stay afloat at the beginning of this year as that injury bug is hitting them very, very, very hard to start out the season. Ladies and gentlemen, as I promised you, I told you, the NBA starts tonight. That's right, the NBA playoffs. It begins with the Cleveland Cavaliers and the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Let's go ahead and see if we can find a quick update here. Um, it looks like right now with about 8.23 left in the fourth quarter, and you can catch this game on TNT. Um, make sure you tape it but so you continue to watch this show. It's the Nets 91, the Cavaliers uh, 82. Right now in this game, Kyrie Irving. Say that name over and over and over again. You know, folks, when the play before the playoffs started, I was on many different shows. People asked me to come on, and I said, they asked me, Larry, who do we watch for in the playoffs? Who do we watch for? I said, watch out for the Brooklyn Nets. And everyone goes, you're crazy. They haven't played well this whole year. Well, folks, let me tell you, they're playing well, and I know it's only Cleveland, which had a decent season this year, but is not one of the top caliber teams. But Irving is going off like the Dr. J. Julius Irving used to do in the old days. He's pumped in 30 points so far tonight. Listen to this, folks. He's 12 of 13 from field goal, 3 of 4 from three-pointer, 3 of 3 from free throws. He's got 30 points tonight. Meanwhile, Kevin Durant, 19 points and 11 assists in this game. Um, also, Drummond is uh, contributed 16 points in this game as well. So, once again, uh we have a 93 now, 85 with 739 left in the ballgame. Time permitting, we'll give you an update on that game as it comes to its conclusion. Also, later on tonight on TNT, it's the LA Clippers and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Once again, that's 8.30 Central Time on TNT. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the NFL draft, NFL draft is not far away. What is it? I believe 20-something here coming up, what, a week from Thursday, if I'm correct, as I try to fiddle around with my computer here. Um, and, you know, a lot of teams have a lot of needs, but, you know, I always tell people it's not necessarily the needs that you have as much as it is what is going to make you a better ball club. We're going to start off with the Tennessee Titans. Then we're going to go to Carolina Panthers. Both of these teams, folks, both of these teams are very, very, very similar in their needs. You know, obviously everybody, you know, I don't understand the Titan fans. I talked about this last night um, on our show when we've had some great, great guests. And, you know, they're still talking about the need of a quarterback. They need a quarterback. They need a quarterback. They can win with Ryan Tannehill. They have other needs right now instead of quarterbacks. Now, down the road, are they going to need a quarterback? Yes. 
But right now, in order to win, in order to get the Super Bowl, they got to fix that offensive line. Tannehill last year sacked 47 times. 47 times. And remember, Derrick Henry was hurt a good part of that year. So injuries plagued this guy. They talk about receivers. We need another receivers. They're overestimating their need at the wide receiver position. Does Can this team use a slot receiver? Absolutely. I would agree with anyone who says so 100%. But is it their biggest need? I would disagree with people 100%. They're talking about Jay Williams. If, you know, based on uh, taking a chance on him with that injury he had to his leg, they talked about Trevon, uh, what, Burke from, was it Arkansas? There might be some great receivers there. But what you have to look out, folks, is when you're looking at this draft, is that receiver going to be more of an impact to you on this ball club than an offensive lineman or than a quarterback? Than a quarterback? Yes. Than an offensive lineman? No. What good is having all the receivers in the world who have all the ability, all the capabilities to do magical things if your quarterback doesn't have time to throw to them. Doesn't have time to throw to them, okay? We need offensive linemen. And when you look at who might be available, because remember, you're talking 26 picks down, ladies and gentlemen. You don't know what's going to happen. Who's going to take who? All the shuffling, all the muffling, all the tick-tock, tickety-tock that goes on in the draft rooms. But two guys that might be available that would be good fits for this Tennessee Titans team from an offensive line perspective would be Kenyon Green. Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M, 6'4", 323 pounds. This guy is a great run protector. I'll say that again, folks. He is a great run protector. Why do I keep saying that? Because we have a run-first offense. Derrick Henry needs people to block for him so he can get through holes and doesn't have to work as hard as he has been in order to get there. Number two, okay, we have a guy that is available. I would probably even take him over Kenyon Green. It's a close battle, but the guy that I really like is this young man. I believe he's 21 years old only. I think he just turned 21 years old this weekend. His name is Tyler Smith. A lot of you might not have heard of him. He's out of Tulsa. He's 6'5", 324 pounds. And let me tell you, when you say the word beast, this guy would make my all-animalistic beast team. My Frankly Speaking Sports all-animalistic beast team. This guy would definitely be on. He's a great, great, great power. He throws people around. And once again, just like Green, he is a great run protector. And you need that. So if you go to have the offensive lineman that late in the 26th pick, those are the two guys, if I'm fan of a Tennessee guy, uh, team, that I am going to be looking at, studying, strategizing on how to get them on my team. You add one of them. It's like adding. Look what the Buccaneers, and I talked about this before, and I use it as an example. They were an offensive lineman. You know, even with Tom Brady playing, they would not have won without Tristan Wirfs that first year, uh, the year they went to the Super Bowl. Tristan Wirfs solidified it. You got some young guys on this team that we picked up last year in the draft 
that we got to look to develop and maybe play another role on that offensive line. That would be adding two dynamic offensive linemen to your team. Now there's no excuses. You can win with Tannehill. Yes, he makes mistakes, but folks, you know, he makes mistakes in the playoff games. Throughout the season, he's done a good job. Don't ask me why, if it's coincidence or what, but you can win with Ryan Tannehill. Rather, you cannot win with an offensive lineman in this draft. Now, you know, they are talking about receivers. I mentioned earlier, receiver is not necessarily what you need. But if you want a quarterback for some reason, for some weird reason that this team says at 26, which I will tell you all right now, I would be disturbed, upset, disappointed if they went after a quarterback at number 26, the Titans. But if they do go after a quarterback, there's only two quarterbacks in all of, you know, this is not a good quarterback class. I really don't, I cannot see anyone on the top of my head, from Malik Willis to, you know, Kenny Pickett to Desmond Ritter, um, you know, to some of these other guys that really stick out as becoming a franchise quarterback. I'm sorry. I just do not see it. Next year with Bryce Young coming to Alabama, out of Alabama, maybe. Right now, I don't. But if you want to pick the two smartest, you know, everybody talks about the Bill Belichick. I hear it all day long. Bill Belichick, it's accuracy and decision-making. That's how he judges quarterbacks. We all know that by now because everybody talks about that. But at the end of the day, the two quarterbacks that are probably the um, most accurate in this draft um, and the best decision makers, one of them would not surprise you, the other may. The first one is who the Carolina Panthers are looking at. The Carolina Panthers are currently looking at um, Kenny Pickett. They've been very, very happy with what they've seen out of Kenny Pickett. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to tell you right now for the Carolina fans, when you look at Kenny Pickett or even the uh, – Tennessee Titan fans, at the end of the day, Kenny Pickett has an accurate arm. Kenny Pickett is a good decision maker when it, on where to throw the ball and who to throw the ball to. But at the end of the day, his presence in the pocket is not very good. It's not good. When he gets pressured, he makes a lot of mistakes, and it creates turnovers, fumbles, and most of all, it creates him getting sacked. So he's not very sure what to do when the pressure is on him. For that reason, I see Kenny suffering in the NFL. I'm not saying he can't be good. I'm not going to say he can be an, can't be an average quarterback. I just don't see it. I don't see it. Number two, the one that no one's talking about is University of North Carolina uh, quarterback Sam Howell. Probably has one of the best arms in the draft. He's very consistent. Very accurate on the long ball. And number two, he's a heck of a smart thinker, okay? The only thing that Howell has against him, and I don't think you should be judged by that because I've seen other guys succeed. They talk about his height. They talked about Flutie with his height. They talk about Russell Wilson. They talk about all these players. At the end of the day, you're an athlete. You're an athlete. By now, you figured out how to overcome that issue. I would say Sam Howell down the road, I'm not talking last year, but somebody in a late, what, 
in the second round if for some weird reason he doesn't go in the second round and somebody can get him in the third round, I think he could turn into a pretty, pretty solid quarterback with the right quarterback coach and offensive, uh, you know, offensive coordinator. I mean, they need someone like, now he's not going to go to New England with Jones there, but they need someone like a Josh McDaniels, maybe a McAdoo. Uh, even with um, Carolina, they need somebody with that um, offensive present and the um, special ingredient of developing, training, and growing these quarterbacks. And I think when you look at it, the guy that would come to mind, Sam Howell, would be the guy for them to do that with. Otherwise, yes, Malik Willis is a great, great quarterback. Desmond Ritter has some potential, but none of these guys stick out as franchise quarterbacks for me. As far as the Carolina Panthers go, you know, I don't think they need a quarterback either. It's not their biggest issue. It's not. They proved no matter who's that quarterback, they won't succeed with that offensive line. There's a good possibility one of these following two guys will be available. Will be available at number six. It's either going to be um, Ike Kwanu at a NC State, the 6'4", 324 pound offensive lineman or Evan Neal. I don't believe, I find it hard to believe that Evan Neal will be available at number six, but darn it, if he's available, if you're Carolina, you jump all over it and get this beast on your team. The 6'7", 351 pound offensive lineman out of Alabama. That's who you should be shooting for. Offensive lineman, just like the Tennessee Titans, your need is bigger and more necessary from an offensive line standpoint than it is a quarterback issue now. Quarterback issue can be taken care of. Right now, get everybody around. You got to build around that quarterback. Get all the pieces you need. Both teams have weapons around their quarterback, whether it's a runner, McCaffrey or Henry, whether it's a receiver, Brown and Wood, or, you know, Robbie Anderson or more for the uh, Panthers. Get those offensive linemen and protect that quarterback, and you will see major, major, major results from both of your teams. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk some Major League Baseball. Wow, there is a phenom in Cleveland. I don't know if anybody's heard of it yet, but we're going to tell you more about it. Also, controversy in the Texas Rangers-Colorado Rockies game. We're going to give you that and much, much more when we come back right after this message from our local sponsors. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Larry Frank from Frankly Speaking Sports coming to you live from Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Are you a professional tattoo artist? If you are, I have good news for you. 13 Daggers Tattoo located at the Fort Campbell Army Post in Clarksville, Tennessee is now looking for professional tattoo artists. If you're a professional tattoo artist and you are looking for work, make sure to contact 13 Daggers Tattoo in Clarksville, Tennessee. We love sports. 
Joe Lewis, the greatest boxer ever lived. Not only do we love sports, but we love to debate sports. He was bad in Cat Clay. He bad in Sugar Ray. He bad in that. Who that's you? The new boy has Mike, Mike Tyson. Look like a bulldog. He bad in him too. He done whipped Mike Tyson there. He whipped all that. For the best sports analysis in the triad. What about Rocky Marciano? In-depth local coverage of your favorite schools and teams. Let me tell you something wonderful. Rocky Marciano was good. But compared to Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano ain't and of course, the best sports debate in the triad. Big Joe Lewis is ass. Welcome to Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Joe Lewis was 75 years old when he fought. You're welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Frankly Speaking Sports. I'm your host, Larry Frank. And so far, great, 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 great show. We're going to continue to keep you updated and posted on the NBA game. We'll do that in about, uh, probably in about uh, five minutes, uh, maybe 10 minutes. We'll give you a final update on that game, as well as some Major League Baseball scores. But you talk about Major League Baseball, the opening of the season this week, and I'll tell you what, for you people that love young stars, love to watch people develop, love these phenoms that are coming up, the Cleveland Indians have one of their own in Stephen Kwan. What a great – listen to this, guys. This guy has not swung and missed a pitch the entire, what, five or six games, whatever amount of games the Indians have played. He hasn't missed a pitch. He has not missed the pitch. Also in spring training, he did not strike out once. That's incredible, incredible, incredible. He's off to a torrid start, a torrid start. Sunday, he went five for five um, and reached base six times in only his third career Major League Baseball game. That's right. Five for five, reached base six times through four games. He became the first player since 1901 to reach base 15 times in a four-game span. Reach base 15 times in that. It's just amazing. He's batting 692 on the year with a 1.789 OPS. The Cleveland Indians have a phenom, folks. And I'll tell you what, this guy is good. If you love baseball, you get the MLB ticket or you get to watch Cleveland games out of Bali, Ohio. Watch this guy. Incred- so far, I know it's early. It's a small synopsis of the season. But this guy is a star in the making. Stephen Kwan, the outfielder. All right, folks. Let's go ahead and keep it going here. You know, a lot of controversy this weekend. And we're going to break this down for you. And I'm going to try to slow this down. Hopefully, everybody will be able to see this as I'll show it, hopefully, uh, a couple of times for you. But there was a play last night, the end of the – actually, it ended the game. The Rangers and the Rockies, where there was a slide in the second base, and it was by Garver. He took out the second base – Mitch Garver, the catcher, took out the second baseman. And what seemed to appear like a pretty clean slide – but from a rules perspective, the umpires did get this call right. It was 100% right. 
but I still disagree with the rule 100%. Let's take a look at it. Um, for those of you on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, I'm sorry that you can't see it, but we're going to be going ahead and showing that right now. Let me go ahead and uh, see if I can go ahead and show it. Okay, folks. Here it is. This is one way for a game to end as Brendan Rodgers gets taken out by Mitch Garver. The throw is done. And you can see right there, um, the throw gets away there. As all you folks, I'm making sure you guys can see it there. Yes, you can. Um, and you'll see that the umpire there is now calling him out. Watch this. Let me see if I can stop this real quick here. Okay. You see right there. Let, let me back it up a minute, folks. See if I can. Right there, he's sliding in. And I'm going to slow it down. Right there, nothing is wrong. If you look at this picture, and folks on radio, he's doing a regular slide into second base. And as we go forward, right there, you see him starting to get up as the shortstop or the second baseman is throwing the ball. Let's take it just a couple millimeters quicker here. Right there. Okay, we stop it right there, and you can see where Garvin comes up. They call that interference now that is the new rule in major league baseball that you cannot slide and work your way up and push into the gentleman who is throwing the ball at second base and in this case he did do it but you know this is where the rule has to change it has to be more about intent than it is about taking the guy out did garvey intend to injure and hurt this guy and take him out in no way, shape, or form did he. This was a clean, hard, not even hard. It was a clean slide. And I want to take you back, folks, so real quickly to what started all of this. If you remember, this was game two of the World Series between the eight, uh, excuse me, the Dodgers and the Mets. Here it is. Let's listen to the call. Whoop. All right, I'm going to reset that, folks, and we're going to let you see that again. For those of you that missed it, let's go ahead and share that with you here. I'm going to go ahead and bring this up. And this was the play right here. As we bring it up to you back in the World Series, it was game two. Game two it was. Let's see if I can. There we go. Let's go ahead and share this with you, folks, and listen to the play. This should come up now. Up the middle, loved by Murphy. There's one, and they will not get the double play. Wow, did Chase Utley go in hard at second? And you can see Tejada, he's on the ground, obviously in pain, but let's go ahead and watch this again. This is where it all generated. It's up the middle, and you can see right there, he goes right after his leg, and I think they're going to show us another. Here it is. This is the angle. He goes there, he throws it. Now watch him. Now look. He's out of the area of the base. He goes right after his legs, and he intentionally tries to hurt Tejada, which he succeeded in doing. This is why the rule is in place. I don't agree with the rule because here you can see the intent in the other one where Glover went in. There was no intent, no injury, no knocking him over. He was just sliding to break up. A double play as we will continue this. And you can see Tahada. He goes down uh, another angle right here. Okay. He's coming in. He's coming in. 
right there. Uh, and you can see him hit him. Look at that. He goes not even to the bag. He goes right for his life. He did not even look at the bag. Utley goes right after Tahada right there. And he succeeds, as you can see. And that was just, uh, you know, I remember that play dearly there. Um, and it was ugly. Ugly if I could ever say the difference. It was an ugly play. And that's the reason right there, folks, that everything happened with um, with that rule at second base. And that's why that game last night ended the way it did. Um, let me see as I try to get my signals here a minute. Let's see if we – all right, that's me. All right. There we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's about that time. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have contributing writer from Empire Sports Media covers the New York Mets, Daniel Marcello. He's been a guest in the past, and I'm sure he'll be another guest in the future. We'll be back right after these messages. Did you know that tattooing dates back to the Stone Age? Did you know that tattoos were once a symbol of high society? Did you know that Theodore Roosevelt had a tattoo? Did you know that 13 Daggers has been serving the area for nearly a decade? Whether you want bright, vibrant colors or death filled from black and gray, let 13 Daggers create a custom piece of art just for you. Schedule your appointment and come get pricked by the pros. 13 Daggers Tattoo Studio, across from Patriot Park on Fort Campbell Boulevard. Walk-ins, always welcome. 13 Daggers Tattoo Studio. Looking hard on Boulevard. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for an update here on Frankly Speaking Sports. Let's go ahead and see if I can start off with the NBA. Let's see what that's going on there. It's the end of the fourth period, which means it's a final 115-108. The Brooklyn Nets defeat. The Cleveland Cavaliers once again, 115-108, leading the Nets 34 points from Kyrie Irving, 12 of 15 from field goal, 3 of 6 from three-pointer, 7 of 7 from free throw. Durant snuck in 25 points, and Brown added 18 points, and Drummond added 16. Off the bench, Claxton had five block shots, 13 points, as five different Brooklyn Nets Score in double figures. Let's go on. Let's move over to Major League Baseball, folks. And let's start off with the finals earlier today as I look for them. It started out when the Red Sox uh, beat the Tigers 5-3. Raphael Devers, 3 for 5. Who are White Sox, 3. Merritt is 2. Lewis Robert with a ding-dong, diggity-ding-dong home run to give the White Sox that lead. Meanwhile, in Cincinnati, the Battle of Ohio. It was the Guardians 10, Reds 5. Newly signed Jose Ramirez, 3 for 5, 6 RBIs, a triple, and a home run. Meanwhile, the Cubs 2, the Pirates 1. Both runs were by Suzuki home runs. Both of them obviously solo home runs. Drew Smiley, 5 inning pitch. Zero runs allowed. Meanwhile, let's go to games in progress. The Tampa Bay Rays are leading the Oakland A's 
right now. Um, it looks like it's the bottom of the six. Brandon Lau, G-Man Troy, and Brett Phillips all with home runs in that game. Meanwhile, the New York Mets are trying to win a ball game. They're leading 2-0, bottom of the eighth. The first run of the game, it was Zach Wheeler on the mound. Brandon Nemo at bat, the pitch, a deep fly ball, deep right field way back. It's gone! Brandon Nemo hits his second home run of the year, and the Mets go up 1-0. The Mets will go on to get another run, and they now lead 2-0 in this ballgame. Meanwhile, it's the Brewers 5, Orioles 4, top of the seventh inning. Yankees up 3-0, bottom of the seventh over the Blue Jays. Marlins and Angels tied top of the eighth at 3 and meanwhile, the Atlanta Braves all over the Washington Nationals. 11 runs, 11 to 1. Two home runs by Marcel Azuna. So the Braves are up 11 to 1. That is our update today. Let's go back to Frankly Speaking Sports. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking Sports. I'm your host, Larry Frank. And I'll tell you what, you look at the NL East, and I'll tell you what, you know, it keeps getting tougher and tougher and tougher. The toughest thing to do is to repeat. The Atlanta Braves are trying to do it, okay? But they got some teams that are trying to get better and give them some competition. A lot of people, one of those teams that a lot of people expected to go ahead and give the Braves a run for the money is the New York Mets, who, like I said, are winning two to nothing right now against the Philadelphia Phillies. It is my great honor, thrill, and pleasure, folks, to now bring in to our Frankly Speaking Sports 13-day studio. He's been on the show before. He's awesome. He's great, and he covers the New York Mets. Let's welcome in Daniel Marcillo. Daniel, how you doing, buddy? Good. How are you, Larry? Good to be back on. Hey, it's great to have you back on. And I'll tell you what, uh, you know, lots of things to talk about already after, what, five games? And, you know, the big one has to be is what the heck did the New York Mets pitchers eat? Because it seems like every single one of them are getting hurt. You know, DeGrom's down. Now what was it? Shajan Walker, um, May in the bullpen. I mean, talk about this injury-plagued pitching staff of the New York Mets. Yeah, it's almost surprising that it's happened so quickly, so early in the season, but somehow they've still been in every game. You know, they had the last game in Washington they should have won. They should have won last night. They blew that 4 nothing lead late last night. Tonight, McGill has been, you know, he's been Jacob deGrom. He's doing his best Jacob deGrom impression over his first two starts. And just think about what you're getting from him, what you got from Peterson last night. Even though guys are getting injured, they're st- still somehow patching together ways to put themselves in positions to win. And that's what great teams do, Daniel, as you know. Talk about the first weekend. They're playing the Nationals. Obviously, one of the big stories is seems like the pitchers of the Nationals decided they wanted to hit the New York Mets players all weekend long. Um, first, it was, uh, you know, one of the players was Alonzo, obviously, in the head. Then it was, I believe, Lindor in the head. I mean, 
Tell me about the impact that that had on the team when they saw their new leader, Buck Showalter, being the first man out to go ahead after their pitcher. Well, they, you said it there perfectly. First man out, right? The Mets have had a sort of huge gap between Terry Collins and Buck Showalter where they had Mickey Calloway. Then they had Carlos Beltran who never managed a game with them. Then they had Louis Rojas, who Rojas, great guy, but just wasn't the right person to lead that team. Now you got a guy who's can be fiery, but the players love him. He defends everybody. He wants everyone to pretty much be themselves. He doesn't want to mold everyone into the same sort of picture, same sort of box that other managers have. And that's really what made him successful with the Yankees, made him successful with uh, Texas, with Arizona, with Baltimore. He He's a getting the opportunity to manage a team that is not a rebuild anymore. This is a team that's ready to win a World Series. And we're even early on, we're seeing it's paying dividends to have this great type of leader in the locker room and leading the dugout for the Mets. You know, we talked about pitching and injuries, but I want to talk about three of their starting pitches who were very impressive this weekend. Probably the most impressive to me had to be Chris Bassett, who went six innings, three hits, one walk, and eight strikeouts. Tell me what we know about Bassett. Well, unfortunately, since he played in Oakland, much like Tampa Bay, we don't get to learn much about these guys. But his stats are comparable with the Max Scherzers, with the DeGroms, with the, say, Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, those type of guys who you're looking at as frontline starters. That's what Chris Bassett is. He's consistent. He gives you innings. He gives you starts. You know he's going to give you at least 25 to 30, maybe even 32, 33 in a full season. But he's the type of guy that you have at the middle of your rotation. If DeGrom is healthy with a Max Scherzer, he's a perfect guy to have as your number three. And as we saw, he's capable of pitching up as a number two should they need him with DeGrom on the injured list. You know, Scherzer, first outing as a Met, six inning uh, pitch, three hits, three runs. But the three runs, I put, you know, a little emphasis there yeah. because two of them were given up from the bullpen guys they didn't hold, but he's still responsible for him. One walk and six strikeouts. What was your opinion of his first outing? You know, I think he looked good, but it was a classic type of Max Scherzer outing where I don't mean classic in terms of being as dominant, but he's had outings, plenty of them, where he may not have his A stuff or his even his B stuff, but that's exactly what he was able to do is give the Mets a winning outing. Six innings, three runs. We know he's going to eat innings. We know if Jacob DeGrom's healthy, those two are going to eat innings together. So having that type of leader that you know every five days, sure, just going to probably give you at least six innings, that not only relaxes the hitters in the lineup, but also relaxes the manager and Showalter, relaxes the bullpen guys. But he looked he looked just as good as Max Scherzer ever does. Maybe not having that velocity he typically has, but the stuff was filthy. His curveball, his slider, his changeup cutter, everything looked Max Scherzer-esque. We're talking to Daniel Marcillo, writer for Empire Sports Media, covers the New York Mets. You know, probably the most impressive, if you really look at this, had it been Carrasco. You know, Carlos came in, and, you know, that's what you wanted out of this guy. Just give you a solid enough game where the team can go out and give you a, and he gives you a chance to win. Well, he did more than that. 5.2 innings, two hits, a run, and five strikeouts. You got to like what you've seen from him after, you know, not being so impressive last year. 
Yeah, Carrasco had a typical uh, start to what he had last year. He gave up a run there in the first inning. But he's like another guy, like a Bassett, who we forget how good he was at one time or how good he is. You know, he had that elbow issue, issue last year, and he was battling just a couple years ago. He came back from cancer to come back and pitch for the Indians. So just to think about that, Carrasco at his best was a guy who would give you 25 to 30 starts. Again, a 3-5 ERA. Having him as pretty much your number five starter is such a beautiful luxury for the Mets because now you look at every single day, and we're already seeing it in this first week of the season, every day the Mets are throwing out there someone who's going to put them in a position to win. And that's really what great teams have. That's what they really want is great pitching day after day. Yeah, and you know, now the Mets have the – um, task of trying to find out how to finish this starting rotation now with DeGrom out and Walker out. Obviously, McGill's doing a, you know, did a great job in that five innings. I'm looking at the stat right now. 5.1 innings, three hits, and five strikeouts. Definitely made, uh, you know, a statement tonight that he wants to be that guy. Talk about how much he could help this team. And is there a possibility, Daniel, Excuse me. A lot of people don't remember that Seth Lugo was a starting pitcher at one time. Could he be taken as a spot starter out of the bullpen and used for that role? Yeah, that's going to be very interesting to look at. I think Lugo and Lugo and McGill, both guys with very similar sort of upbringings of how they got to the Mets. Guys in the minor leagues who had to come up and be starters and then maybe move into the bullpen. But I think McGill, he might put himself in a position where he's pitching way too good to take him out of the rotation. I mean, already 11, almost uh, 12 innings to start the season, first two starts, no runs, barely giving up any hits, and he's been very consistent not walking anybody either. So he's his stuff will play no matter where he pitches. He throws 97, 98. He's got the good changeup. He's developed that cutter along with his slider. I really think that when you have a guy like McGill who's learned from – of Jacob DeGrom, who has learned from Max Scherzer over this spring. I think it's just a great environment for him to grow in. And we could see like a little, uh, you know, protege of what Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer are in Tyler McGill. What is the latest that you're, because I heard today that there seems to be more issues with the injury to Jacob DeGrom. What are you hearing and is there even a time frame for him to return? Yeah, I think with Jacob deGrom, it's going to be pretty much uh, with kid gloves, treating him as – let him get in as slowly as he possibly can. You don't want to rush it. The Mets have aspirations of playing deep into October. And realistically, it's going to be hard for the Mets to complete their whole season goals of winning a World Series without Jacob deGrom. So I think right now they're going to take it very slow with him. And it's unfortunate that, you know, DeGrom, he looks completely fine whenever he pitches, but it's a shame that he can throw 100 miles an hour, give up no hits in three innings like he did in spring training. Then all of a sudden we find out he's got shoulder issues. So I think with him, the last thing they want to do is jeopardize his season like they did last year. So I think they're going to take it as slow as they possibly can, especially knowing that they could possibly still have him for two years should he opt into his contract and not become a free agent this offseason. 
And it definitely helps if these other guys, like you mentioned, McGill and Lugo, pick up the slack. It gives them the opportunity to rest them even more until towards the back end of that season. Talk about Mark Kanye. You got to see him for the first time as well in a New York Mets uniform regular season game. You know, so far he looks pretty good. He's been in 571, three RBIs. What's your take on Mark? Well, I liked him. I didn't, again, another Oakland guy who we didn't get to see yep. too much of, but he is, he exemplifies what Moneyball is really all about in Oakland, getting on base, walking, just watching his approach. It seems like every at bat, he's getting into a three ball count. Every at bat, he's watching three or four pitches and then fouling off a couple. You need that type of guy in your lineup. The Mets really didn't have much of those last year, and it was a big reason why they struggled so much to not just get runners on base, but drive those runners in when they got him there. And his versatility is huge. He plays all three outfield spots he already has. He can play the infield. So he is a guy, and along with the Guadalajara Escobar, just a quality MLB player that the Mets are just plugging in, which really they didn't have over the last couple of years. You know, Jeff McNeil takes a lot of crap, you know, and it looks like he's ready to answer his critics from at least the start. I know it's only four or five games, but he seems to be starting off well. Uh, what, he's batted 438, a homer, three RBIs. Uh, you know, he had a pretty good opening week. Yeah, he looked really good. And he's always been boxed in with Dominic Smith and J.D. Davis as trade candidates for the Mets. and. When I look at them, McNeil, to me, was the most untouchable of those three because, one, the guy was pretty much a career 300 hitter before last season. He can play anywhere on the field for you, basically. And he is the type of guy where you can stick him as a leadoff hitter, second hitter, and you can put him at the eighth spot like you had tonight, and you can still feel like you have a very deep, strong lineup from that. And I feel like he is another guy who just needed sort of a clean slate I think injuries have been killing him over the last couple of years. Not to mention now he's got a whole new manager in Buck Showalter who believes in him. He's got a general manager in a front office that believes in him. And I really think last year when they traded for Baez, as good as he was with the Mets, I think it killed McNeil's confidence, killed his psyche a little bit because he was starting to hit. But then all of a sudden they got um, Lindor's best friend, which we don't uh, forget that. Lindor and McNeil didn't have the best uh, opening to their relationship with Mets, but this has Mets. So it seems like they're better now. And I think McNeil may not be an all-star, but I think we're going to get another great season out of him. You know, but you still got to remember, you still got Robinson Cano, who is doing some DH, and he gives McNeil a day off in the infield. Does Cano still have what it takes to be a solid, productive player for the New York Mets? Yeah, that's the million-dollar question, really. And I think... You know, he's. I think he falls into a category that David Ortiz, Nelson Cruz, Adrian Beltre fell into that they're going to hit as long as they're healthy. It doesn't matter how old they are. I think they're still going to hit no matter what. And the great thing about this Mets team is you look up and down the roster of position players and you can make an argument for every single guy to be a starting player for the Mets. And I think that versatility says to you, hey, Cano doesn't have to play 150 games, play 115, half of them he'll DH for. And I think keeping him fresh like that should allow the Mets to get the most out of him as he continues to climb up the age of 40. 
How much more pressure is on this offense to produce because of the injuries to the pitching staff? Yeah, I think it's it'll build up a little bit, especially when, uh, you know, the first game in Philadelphia here, they score three runs, but then they only score one for the rest of the game. Tonight, they only get two runs so far against the Phillies as they head into the bottom of the ninth there. I think they're really going to need to just be consistent. You know, they're not going to score six, seven runs every night, but we they can't have nights where they're one for 12 and with runners in scoring position like they were plenty of times last season. If they get the runners on base, they got to get them in. And I think that's really what helped them in Washington take three out of four. So they just have to find some consistency. You've got a lot of guys in this lineup who are clearly good big league hitters. They just got to be consistent. Take away that strikeout sort of mentality that was killing them last year and just put the ball in play like they have been doing to start this season. How does a team adjust to all these different lineup changes? And it's something that's not uncommon anymore in baseball. I know when I was growing up, uh, and it wasn't that long ago, Daniel, to believe it or not. But, you know, when I was, you had pretty much, you can go to a ball game and pretty much, you know, you would know who was going to be starting and who was going to be playing. Now Buck is, seems like he's switching the lineup day after day after day. Is this keeping the team fresh, or in reality, is it keeping certain players from keeping their rhythm? Yeah, and that's the big thing that managers have to try to balance now, right? Lindor, he's going to be a guy you want playing 160 games. You know, I think um, Alonzo is going to be another guy in that category. But then everyone else is sort of interchangeable. McNeil's been used to it. Cano is going to have to do it to stay healthy. I think Starling Marte is going to be another guy that plays 140 games. But I think with the cast of characters they have brought in, each of them have either been used to playing 160-plus games like Lindor, like Alonzo, like Marte. And then you have the guys who have played in platoon situations or just situations where they only play four to five times a week, like Escobar, like Canna, you know, like even Cano, too, as he gets older just to take breaks. I think it's all going to sort of balance out at some point, but I think so far the mixing and matching that Walter has done, I think that blueprint, if he follows that and stays consistent with it, you know, barring any injuries, I think should put the Mets in position to capitalize on everyone's uh, abilities as the season goes on. What's been, and it's only been a short five games, maybe six games after tonight, um, what's been the most impressive thing for you so far this year? You know, to me, the, the thing I love the most is the closeness of this team. I think last year we saw it a little bit, but it seemed kind of like manufactured, you know, with, especially with the way Lindor and McNeil handled that little scuffle they had, especially with sort of the Dom Smith trying to be the happy-go-lucky guy of the team. Same thing with Alonzo. I think now you have guys in the clubhouse who are going to sort of buckle things down, like Marte. He was right on that top step of the dugout when everyone was getting hit. You have guys like Canna, seasoned veterans, Escobar, who now you have a few cast of leaders who are now bringing guys together. I mean, I even saw tonight McGill watching on the iPad things that he was he could correct from his start with Carrasco, with the pitching coach. I think Bassett was in that group as well. Those type of things we haven't really seen since, I would say, maybe the 2015 team and then maybe the 2016 that was uh, 
just a pitch away, a game, a base hit away from going to the World Series. What's been the most disappointing part so far? You know, I think the bullpen has certainly been disappointing. Now, granted, Edwin Diaz, you know, has been in Puerto Rico grieving the loss of his grandfather, so they've lost a bullpen piece there. But I think, you know, the trade to get Rodriguez, the lefty, to put him in the bullpen, I guess they need another lefty, which understandable. But Miguel Castro, I, I always liked him. I've always been high on him where he's as good as anybody the Mets have in their bullpen. So I think they got to find the balance because May is dealing with some fatigue. They only have Shreve and Rodriguez as the lefties in the bullpen. Lugo didn't really have much in that four-run, uh, that five-run eighth that they gave up to Philadelphia. So it's defining those roles a little bit. Maybe when Diaz gets back from Puerto Rico, maybe things will be a little bit easier to slide things in. Maybe Lugo's the eighth inning guy, Diaz in the ninth, May in the seventh. They just got to find that little balance point. But I do, I will say out of the bullpen, I've liked what I've seen from uh, Adam Adovino. One guy to keep an eye on the entire season. You know, it sounds kind of uh, obvious, right? I will go with the obvious one. I'll give you two here. Obvious one, Francisco Lindor. I mean, he's coming back. It's much like Beltran in 05. Very disappointing first year in a big contract. But we saw him get better as the season went on. So I think Lindor may not have an MVP caliber season, but I think we're going to see him put up those all-star caliber numbers that the Mets traded him for. But second, Eduardo Escobar. I like the way he plays, a switch hitter. The Mets, you look back at their lineups, when was the last time they really had a switch hitter that was an everyday guy in their lineup? It's been a while. And Escobar provides some power. He seems like he's solidified that role as the everyday third baseman. I think he's going to be a real big pickup for the Mets, especially to either lengthen or diversify the righty-lefty mixes that they have in their lineup. We're talking to Daniel Marcillo, a writer for the Empire Sports Media, covers the New York Mets. A couple more questions. We'll let you run, Daniel. Over or under, Pete Alonso hits 40 homers. You know what? I'm going to take – the under, but I'm going to say he's close, like a 38-37. I think this is a big walk year for him, meaning he's going to see a lot more pitches out of the zone, meaning he's going to swing less, but he's going to walk more, which is going to lower his home run total. But 38-39, like a, we're pushing it for 40, as I think where is where he's going to be. All right, we'll wrap it up with this. Can the Mets, even with the injuries that they're starting to occur, can they compete with the Phillies and the Braves in the NL East? Yeah, I think so. I think the Mets' offense, realistically, is good as anybody's in that division. And the starting rotation, again, if healthy, that's the magic couple of words for every team in baseball. But if healthy, you know, I don't think it's a team that can be beat in the postseason and beat in a three- or four-game series against their division rivals. All righty. Well, it's still 2 nothing. bottom of the ninth. Uh Looks like there's one out, and it's a one and two count. So I'll let you go see the final two outs anyway. Daniel, thanks so very, very much for taking the time out of your schedule to come on Frankly Speaking Sports tonight. Of course. Thank you for having me on. I love being a guest on the show. All right, my friend. Stay safe, and let's go Mets. Yes, sir. You too. All righty. That was Daniel Marcillo, writer for Empire Sports Media. He covers the New York Mets. Let's go ahead, take a quick break. We'll be back right after this message. 
from 13 Daggers Tattoo. 13 Daggers Tattoo Studio is looking for a new tattoo artist. Must be established with a strong portfolio and good work ethic. Stop by today at 13 Daggers across from Patriot Park on Fort Campbell Boulevard. Clarksville's ultimate tattoo studio. Tattoos, touch-ups, and consultations. See the artist's work online at 13daggerstattoo.com and get the custom experience you want with Killer Ink. Book today and get pricked by a pro. 13 Daggers Tattoo Studio. Father Tom is undefeated. It's going to hit Tom Brady eventually, too. It might be this year. Hopefully it's this year. And Matt LaFleur went to both of them and said, hey, remember that play you drew up on notebook paper on Thursday? Yeah, run it now. Like, that's the thing that's kind of tripping me up here. We've been clowning Kyrie Irvin and his behavior for the past five years. I feel like I just got a point, like on a show or something. (laughs) (laughs) Three... Two, one, Kersville, you've got state champions coming back home. The East Forsyth Eagles have just won Class 4A state championship. On the line with NASCAR superstar Bubba Wallace. Bubba, what type of music are you listening to right now? Do you listen to anything particular to get you hyped before a race? Uh, I'm in like the heavy metal stuff, like the screamo stuff, the stuff you can't understand. <laughs> that's, that's right up my alley. Tie game at 41. Murph takes the snap. Fade right corner of the end zone for Timmons. He bobbled it and then hold it in in the right corner of the end zone to Will Timmons Jr. TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Frankly Speaking Sports. I'm Larry Frank. want to thank everybody on all our different platforms. Roku TV on Northeast Streaming Sports. Thank you very much. Tobacco Road Sports Radio. You can listen to our shows every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday mornings, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 10 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Pacific on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. We are on Facebook Live under Frankly Speaking Sports, under Northeast Streaming Sports, YouTube under Frankly Speaking Sports, Northeast Streaming Sports. We're on Twitter, we're on Twitch, we're on Spotify, we're on iHeartRadio. Thank you to all of you and all the different platforms for showing this terrific show. Want to remind everybody that we will be back on tomorrow night. Tomorrow night beginning at 8 p.m. Central Time with more Frankly Speaking Sports. On behalf of all of us here at Frankly Speaking Sports, We want to wish everybody a good night, and we'll see you tomorrow on Frankly Speaking Squad.